Hiya, uh, it's Chris here. First off, uh, apologies for no episode last month. Uh, the episode you should have got last month is the episode that you're going to get this month. You might, I'm hopefully going to get another one done this month to make up for last month. Um, it's no excuse, but said multiple times before, life keeps getting in the way of things. Uh, although in truth, uh, with this recording, I'm really excited about this recording. It's a really good chat with two guys from the sexy lads over at Roll7, makers of all kinds of good games, including Not Hero and Oli Oli. Um... But, uh, truthfully, uh, Life and The Witcher 3 got in the way. Um, so that's why there's like loads of references to June, as if it's like a really far-off date in the future. It wasn't. This should have been out a long, long time ago. Uh, I'm just dead rubbish. Um, hopefully me and Laura will be back with a guest very soon. Keep your eyes to the pod skies. Yeah. Oh, also this, noise, this recording is a little bit noisy because I couldn't record it in the usual way, so I'm sorry about that as well. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to re- 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 recycle. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Recycle Bin Podcast, a little bit later than usual. Um, before I start, that's not a sly dig at the fact that we had to move this recording back a day, I'm just a little bit later than usual getting this organised this month. Um, my name's Chris Spann, uh, not with me this week is Laura or anyone pretending to be Laura, um, due to Laura's router exploding yesterday and uh, her not being able to get BT around to her house until sometime in June. So... Um, that's all very good. Um, however, my hosts, my, my hosts and my guests this episode are Simon we're not, and John. We're not hosting, are we? Yeah, yeah, you're hosting now. It's going to be with quite it. awkward. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's John and Simon from Roll7. Hello, guys. Hey. Hey, Chris. How you doing? I'm all, hey there, Chris. I am absolutely uh, delighted that you guys have agreed to come on uh, and do this. I mean, last time when we had John on uh, about... 20 episodes or something ago ago, ago now. Uh, I remember thinking then we were reaching for the stars getting you guys on but you're quite you're you're the new indie darlings now aren't you so um uh, I, was, I, was, I was delighted that you guys agreed to come and do this it's going to be uh, it's going to be good nonsense absolute nonsense we are we are super happy to be here and honored to be recycled <laughs> um, so the people are still interested. <laughs> well, like certainly from the people I speak to now, you know, obviously, like with uh, because I mean, I've said on this show before that Devolver, like anything that anything anybody who's in any way involved with Devolver, or you know, nine times out of ten is something that people who are into kind of a, a specific type of game. Uh, Devolver have a brilliant stable there with guys, you know, with things like Hotline Miami and etc. So having you guys kind of attached to that brand and that that name is 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 a perfect fit for you. And um, so to attach you to to things like Hotline Miami, Hotline Miami, Hotline Miami, um... Hotline Miami was an interesting game though. <laughs> Hotline Miami. I just phoned up this mother repeatedly. Northern lady. <laughs> That's who's on the phone. Um... Oh my god, my cat! My cat is attacking me. You might hear some meows. <laughs> That's fine. I'm expecting my dog to go off at some point. She's already stood by the door. In fact, I might open it now and let her out while we're doing animal-related things on a podcast. 
<laughs> go be free. Go on. Cheers. Uh, I don't have a pet, but we'll pretend my goldfish has gone mental. <laughs> you did have a cat, didn't you, John? I did. Like cat's fucking nightmare, and I got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know, I should point out, um, let's explain, well, you, I'll let you guys explain who you guys are. John, uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, okay. I, uh, I'm John Ribbins, and I'm sort of creative director slash game designer at Roll7. Uh, so I, I come up with the ideas and then generally torture other people while they're making them. Um, Simon? Yeah, that's about right. Um, my name's Simon Bennett. I am a director at Roll7. I deal with such interesting things as production and marketing and uh, cleaning, being a janitor, uh, other such menial tasks. And my job is to frustrate and annoy people to either finish a game or leave Roll7. <laughs> Uh, cool. It tends to be both. <laughs> and we're here today to kind of do is postmo on the right word? Um it's not dead yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope not. It's only been out a week. A kind of recycle bin styled look back at the the development of uh of Not a Hero, your new game which came out yeah, last week now. Yeah. Um, so I think the way we're going to do this is, so for those of you who don't know, I do this at the start of every episode, but um, this, this episode might well get some new listeners in. Um, normally what we do is we get our guests to bring in some things that they dislike about the game industry, we chat about them for a bit, uh, and then we I make an arbitrary decision as to whether or not they've been them. It's increasingly just becoming an excuse to use nice uh, samples and things that people have sent us in. This episode's got some doozies I hope we're going to be able to use. Um, Excellent. It's basically a very loose opportunity to have, uh, an opportunity to have a very loose conversation about games um so yeah john and simon have each put a thing that they didn't like or didn't enjoy or wanted to bin off about the development process of not a hero and they've each put a thing that they liked and then we're going to have a good argument about it and then we'll go home happy so uh who decided to go first i can't remember that was me okie dokie so this is uh disliked first yes so uh i guess this is kind of a the weirder of the two, really. Um, but I think for me, and it's only really looking back on the project, mm. but I think for me, the thing that I disliked, and weirdly, because at, at the time, I think it seemed like a positive. Mm. Um, but actually, like with Not A Hero, we, we made quite a comprehensive prototype, um, mm. which we released for free. Yeah. Uh, which quite a lot of people played, and then you know that's how it got picked up by Devolver. And I actually think... Um, <laughs> Looking back, that was something that made the development process actually quite difficult. Right. Because um, I think there's a big difference between making something which you, you know, that you, you're putting for free um, mm -hmm. and it can be broken and it can be mechanically broken. Um, you know, it was what we made in the first iteration was a sort of fun sandbox thing where you went into buildings and killed people. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously we signed with Devolver and you know it's part of the fun right and part of the challenge but is to go well we've got this thing that is literally um a series of levels where you go and shoot stuff some of the characters are unbalanced some of the levels are unbalanced some of the mechanics don't work and whatever but it's kind of there and it, people have fun with it mm. um and i guess yeah the biggest challenge and the biggest frustration was sort of trying to get from that to something that um 
you know, is an actual game, has a beginning and an end and a curve and introduces mechanics and so on, um, is actually quite a big challenge when you've started from the point of complete freedom and it doesn't need to do any of those things to then go, how do we kind of wrestle this beast into, into being something that's an actual game? Yeah, yeah. Uh, excuse me, guys. You have to bear me one second. My gone, my dog has gone outside and gone insane. Bear with me. <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> awesome. Oh, thank God he's gone. We can continue this podcast. Um, <laughs> so I would like to talk about the wonderful people at Dell Laptops. Um, oh, I'm really enjoying their laptop that I got, yeah. Yeah, they sent me one too and said, whatever you do, don't talk about Dell laptops uh, and, and what I really do like about the Dell laptop uh, ZX900 is the uh, the ability to have tons of pre-installed crap uh, that I really didn't want so thanks Dell that's awesome presume all this is being cut off but I, sorry, no, I, um, I just changed my headphones around I was going to say that I, I enjoyed their customer service on delivering my laptop, which arrived in two days, but they completely failed to deliver the um, the backpack. It took two uh, and a half weeks. Oh. <laughs> Have you guys been filling in like pros, or will I need to edit this? Oh yeah, we segued into some product placement for you. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, enjoy whatever it is the guys were talking about there. Uh, so back back vaguely on track. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so just just to reiterate then, uh, it was kind of signing with Devolver and having to take something that was from... Because I know uh, Not A Hero is a thing that's existed in some state for a long time, hasn't it? Yes. So, so I think uh, the, the brief version would be um, building a long way into a project without a design document or an idea mm, of where it's going. And yeah. then sort of reverse engineering from there. You know, Oli Oli was a game where we built a toy that was fun. And that's all it was. And then mm. when we expanded, we went, well, where do we take this? Whereas I think Not A Hero was a game that we explored <coughs> loads of things without any direction, which was fine because it was a prototype and it was just messing around. But I think actually looking back, uh, it's very hard then to go, which bits do we cut? Which bits do we keep? How do we turn it? You know, how do we bring metagame into this? How do we bring narrative into this? How do we give a reason for all these faces that you're shooting? Mm. Um, was was actually very was actually very hard and um, yeah and I mean go on sorry no no go on I, um, I was just going to ramble that's fine. <laughs> I was going to say how do you go about actually deciding what it is that you you've been off because uh, from from experience especially because I know uh, John we're back when I had you on uh, just after the launch of Oli Oli. Mm. Um, I know not a hero you say existed to some extent on it was either the Roll Seven website or your own website. Um yes. as as I think it might have just been a couple of pictures and maybe an XE as well. Um mm. so for it to be obviously something that that's you've you've kind of held close to your bosom for so long. Um yes. to then have somebody maybe like a Simon going, This doesn't work, we need to take this out, or we'll never get this finished in time. Mm. Um, <laughs> 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 um how would you go about that? Is it just a case of that? Is it just a case of being realistic and saying, look, this is never going to get finished in time? Is it a case of... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think there's an element of like... Um, oh, sorry, I'm sure you'll you'll testify to this, but like, uh, I guess as, as a designer, I, I tend to build like end game levels right. uh, in prototypes, right? And then we kind of work backwards from there. You know, the first... 
I remember when we took Oli Oli, for example, to E3. Actually, even not here when we took it to PAX, and it was like watching people play it, and, and it was kind of like, all right, this is sort of the experience you should be having at the end of the game, yeah, as opposed to at the start of the game. Um, and you know, and that that process is sort of that's fine. That's going. What's all the stuff we're going to make you do in the last level, and kind of how do we teach you to do all that stuff along the way, mm. so that when you get there, you're kind of uh, prepared. Yeah. You kind of know all the stuff you're going to need to beat it. Because as uh, a fan of Roll7's games, you guys, in terms of difficulty level, don't fuck about. Um... <laughs> um, we're becoming increasingly aware that maybe we're actually quite good at games as well, or at least our <laughs> own games. Like, oh, I didn't think it was that hard. Um, but no, I think there is that element of, obviously, when you we, we, we've gone quite a way, I guess, before we started to to think about how we teach you all of this stuff, and it's like... You know, it's painful having to be like, yeah, that character, like he's just got to go. Yeah, yeah. He just there's there's no way in the time that we've got, not in like development time, but in actual like player sitting and playing the game time, mm. that we've got time to teach you how to be that guy. Um, you know, and we had other stuff like in the original You're Not a Hero. There was there were characters that were super fun, <laughs> um, but there's like there's no way you can design a game around them because they're so overpowered or they're so you know that that. Uh, we had characters that just had melee. They didn't have a gun. Right. Um, and we had another guy that had throwing knives that you had to go and pick them up after you'd thrown them and stuff like oh that. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's super cool. And, like, that's a super fun character, and it's a really cool mechanic and mm. everything else. But it's like, you start to look at it, and you're like, we could actually build an entire game just around this one character and take an entire game to teach you how to use him, and we've got nine. Um, so... You know, all the characters in the game, I'm really pleased. They, I think a lot of them do play very differently and feel very different and afford you different play styles. Mm, I'd agree, um, massively, yeah. But like a big part of that process was going, how do we make everyone different but ostensibly the same? Because, you know, you don't have that... Um, to suddenly go, right, this guy's got no guns at all and he can't use... We had characters that couldn't use cover, for example. Right, yeah. Um, and, you know, you kind of reach that point of going, like, I, this is too much of a switch. Like, yeah. it was cool when it didn't matter, but, you know, now you've unlocked this guy and we need to, like, build challenges that you're going to beat with him and levels that are going to be challenging with him and stuff like that. And it was like, there isn't a way to put that together. So a lot of the time, I, I feel like um, in dev, you know, we were pushing things, but, like, mechanically, a lot of it was actually stripping stuff back and being like, well, we've got 15 ideas for characters, but maybe only seven of them work. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And which ones are we willing to cut and get rid of? And I think once you've spent a year in prototype town, where you can do what you want and be like, yeah, there's a guy with a clown face and he just stabs people in the eyes or whatever. Like, that's fun and funny and it's great. But at some point you have to go, I love that guy, but he's not going to be in the game. Yeah. So yeah, for it's instance... kind of killing, killing your children, isn't it, really? <laughs> that's the reality of it. And I think, unfortunately, like the role of a, any good producer is to kill the children of the game designer um, and do it in a way that means that they don't, Sort of ber the bereavement process isn't too to extended. Throw, to throw a good anecdote, and this is Sai, where you might want to just come in and I'll just say what happened and then you can give your take maybe. But I think a great example of this would be uh, bullet time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bullet time. So about halfway through last year. Is that about right? No, yeah. winter last year. I sent yeah. Sai a build and I was like, press s if you hold the s key down there's bullet time and it's kind of awesome um but you know looking back simon was right it wasn't actually that awesome <laughs> um 
and for it to work, you know, you had to redesign a ton of stuff. So yeah, yeah. it's like, it's that thing of being like, yeah, it would be great to leave it in, but it just doesn't work. So it's going to have to go as much as I want it in there. Like we can't do it. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting point you made though, because <clears throat> I mean, I've not got all the way through the game yet, but certainly the characters I've unlocked. Each of them feels like deviations from the norm rather than their own rule set, if that makes yeah. sense. So, like, every character kind of has a number on... Uh, uh, there's a number of variables that can affect a character, and each of them fits somewhere on that scale. So whereas, say, like, a Cletus has only got, what, two rounds or whatever, and I keep finding myself, in op- like, in open ground with no ammo on him. Reloading. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the Welsh lady whose name I forget now. Sarah? Samantha. Samantha. Um, she's... Uh, I, I much prefer that style because she's far more... She's inaccurate, yeah, but she's far more... I've got, not, I've got a lot more ammo, but they feel similar but different at the same time. Neither of them feels like they were designed completely in isolation of the other. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, the last... I don't know how far you've got. Like, the last three characters um, can't use special weapons. Right. So they can't use grenades and stuff, but they have, like, a special ability instead. Um, and they recharge that special ability through executions, um, mm. which I think kind of works mechanically right because it forces you to do another mechanic of the game in order to recharge this new one that and it's the riskier one to do as well because you've got to get so in yeah 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 sure and i think um oh man sorry i don't know if you can remember but like that that the way that system worked and the fact that you got those three characters last that process that was a very long process a lot of testing and and also like a lot of just discussion around how that was going to work Hmm. Um, I think I think we sort of had this conversation for a long time to give you some sort of background. I I wasn't actually producing Not a Hero until about August last year. Um, I jumped onto the project uh, and we split off because Tom had been producing it. Tom's the other director at Roll Seven. He was also producing Oli Oli Two at the time, and uh, that just became, you know, far too much for one person to handle. So I jumped in and. Uh, and works on, on not a hero with with John and I think when I when I turned up at that that point I I knew that it was going to be very tough to try and make melee characters work without guns in a way that you know in a way that the whole game felt balanced as a whole mm. uh, and I think that was always one thing that sort of we, we we had I guess that was the biggest challenge that we had was how do we balance this thing where fundamentally some of these characters you can't balance the game for them you can't balance levels for them you can't balance their abilities um, and it was that constantly weighing that up and I think eventually when we gave those three characters guns I think you you started sleeping again didn't you John you like <laughs> yeah okay do you know what this makes sense actually give them a gun and then give them some abilities some sort of melee abilities and, and their life will be yeah i think it was better. that thing of like for a long time the only solution we could think was that even if we gave them a gun um their special move would be a new key that, that you introduce hmm. which like for me design wise just didn't work it hadn't i didn't want it to be that you got two-thirds of the way through the game and then it went oh now there's right trigger or whatever yeah 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 um so yeah, coming back to the original, like why that was a hate thing is I think um, like free kind of blue sky prototyping is super good. Um, and I think it lets you discover lots of stuff. And, you know, I, it's been well uh, documented, I guess, through other interviews, but 
you know, a, a lot of the stuff that's in Not a Hero was actually stuff that was taken from prototypes for other games, right? right Where we okay. were like, oh, that little thing we did in this project, like that game doesn't work at all, but this little element of it is awesome and we should bring that across because I think it will work in this bit, you know, solve this problem in Not a Hero. Hmm. Um, but I think, uh, you know, if we'd looked at Not a Hero and we'd had two characters in the prototype and then when we built it out, we'd been like, right, and we're going to have seven more. Um, almost like that process of going, how do we differentiate these new ones would have been easier than starting at this point where we had more characters than we needed with abilities that we didn't know how they would fit into a, into a smaller system, if you see what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, that was painful. Many awkward late night conversations between me and Sai with long sort of weighted pauses because no <laughs> one wanted to say what they thought because uh, it was just going to cause animosity. And so I think I it generally came around to the way that those conversations work, which is where I went, dude, I'm thinking maybe you just give them all guns. And Simon's like, yeah, that's what I've been saying for about three months. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to admit you're right, but you're right. <laughs> Let's give them guns. I think like John and I have been, you know, we we nearly, genu- I mean, genuinely nearly killed each other during Oli Oli. Um, that process was very unhealthy for both of us. Um, yeah. Not, you know, not just because... Uh, it was our first proper title when we were doing something for PlayStation, which was all new and scary, but uh, it was, I was going through a bad time anyway, just generally um, outside of work and, uh, and sort of John was bearing the kind of brunt of that and a very frustrating <laughs> process, but we kind of got through it and made a game in Oli Oli that, you know, has stood the test of time and, and, and done quite well. And I think on this one, there was that real hesitance at the, you know, in August last year when I said, look, dude, uh, I kind of see that this game probably needs a producer at this stage. Someone's going to come in and really get involved. But that does mean us getting back into those sort of situations where I'm killing your children. <laughs> and there's a lot of children. Yeah, there's a lot of children and there's a lot of bodies. <laughs> but I think you know, ultimately what we've made in Night Hero, like in my opinion anyway, is it's, it is our, it's our best game. It's like the perfect, the perfect like example of getting to the end of a project and us all saying we didn't want this to be any different. And that is very rare that that happens, but there's nothing that we would want to change in Night Hero. Yeah. And, and actually with Oli Oli there was, and we made Oli Oli 2 immediately and you'll see, you know, you can see how much better Oli Oli 2 is. Yeah. There's bits in Oli Oli 2 that, as soon as you start playing it and go, well, of course, like yeah. manuals and things like that, that you went, yeah. oh, shit, yeah. Like, the, the, yeah. of course they should have been in for the first one. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, and, like, actually. We there's nothing, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, actually, when um, when Ollie Ollie came out and a couple of people said to me, it's kind of like Hotline Miami, but with skateboards <laughs> instead of guns. <laughs> and now... Uh, not a hero came out, and I've asked the same people, like, what's what's not a hero like? And they've gone, it's kind of like Ollie Ollie, but with guns instead of skateboards. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a bit like Hotline Miami. And it's a bit like Hotline Miami. Like, like there's clearly some influence there. Because um, yeah. it's, it's interesting, it's... though. I think, like, and it's it's massive credit to Denerton, mm. which is that um, you've basically they basically become the byword for like fast addictive instant restart yeah 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 yeah. like there's a like there are tons of games that came before hotline miami that did just that 
yeah, but somehow the feeling you get when you play it epitomizes that and so now if you make something similar it's like oh, it's like Hollow Miami yeah. it's like it's like Dark Souls right you can like you'll be like oh dude you need to play that it's like the Dark Souls of football games and you know exactly what that means right? <laughs> yeah, right? because yeah, Dark yeah. Souls epitomizes that I think Hollow Miami does the same and I think they've got very and I think um in terms of that thing of having like a language in the game that you get better at speaking as you play it, I think yeah. they have similar sensibilities to us there. Yeah. It's interesting as well, just the thing I was going to say, when you're talking about taking demo builds to packs and to, to, to elsewhere and it being you being very conscious that it was like end game stuff. Uh, it's it's uh, when the you guys released the demo uh, a couple of weeks before release was it yes. maybe a month yep. yeah um, uh, I played through the demo was chatting with a couple of a couple of friends about it and I said oh it, it's uh, it's good but like it feels like it needs to pick up a little bit like I'm sure it'll be fine but like just based on those levels it did um, and they were like no it, don't worry it does. <laughs> uh, but I just think it's really interesting that I, I wonder whether it's maybe that being so conscious of previously you're going, oh shit, normally we throw everything at people straight away. Um, whereas yes. I came away, I mean, like, because I've got like a fair amount of faith in you guys, but kind of I came away going, as long as like, because there was what, three levels in the demo or four, yeah. as long yeah. as the level after that it picks up again a bit more and it keeps going, then I'll be fine. And I say it absolutely does. Um, I just thought it was really interesting that almost one of my concerns was. Is there going to be, you know, does it does it take that next level? Whereas you guys are going, oh shit, we can't bombard people with everything all in one go. Uh, yeah, I think that was a, a real conscious thing in this in this process. I think we, you know, we we knew that Oli 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 can be tough, um, in, and even on Oli Oli Two, I don't think we did enough to make it easy. Um, in the first few levels, it does ramp up very quickly and become nightmarishly difficult very quickly yes um and with with not a hero i think and and this is something you know we do want you to feel like a badass in ollie ollie too but i think with with not a hero we kind of almost want you to feel like a badass sooner and quicker and we want you to feel like in control before we start throwing the wall at you mm. um and yeah. and we did a lot of work with uh with beta testing we had a lot of graphs showing us sort of you know <laughs> de decline in play and you know sort of how long it was taking people to beat certain levels and you know we took a real mathematical scientific approach to that game curve and i think you know not a hero lets you get into it quite easily and you know you get to you get to play pretty much the whole of the first sort of seven levels the first world and feel quite confident in yourself mm. uh, and then things do yeah really ramp up and you know by the end you, you're going to be spending 20 minutes half an hour possibly on some of those levels because they're tricky yeah i think i think it was i can't remember which show we did Sorry, you might remember i think it might have been pax prime boston um right where we basically like I, like watched people play it on the first day and like it was interesting. Like people seem to always pick up not a hero and have fun, um, but I remember we, we, we like put analytics in, right? So we could like look at how the how people got on each day. And I remember like one of the shows, literally looking back and being like, "Wow, ten percent of all attempts at level one resulted in success." And it was just like that's like that's way too hard. <laughs> like people would come away and have a great time because they shot a dude out of a window and they blew a bunch of stuff up and like they exploded a cat and they had a laugh and stuff. Mm. Most of the time they failed and died. Like yeah. they were having a fun time and it was like that weird thing of like so in your two minute session that you played, 
you were like, yeah, it's great. I've been stuff up and whatever. And you'll think, but you're standing there as a designer being like, yeah, but you just died repeatedly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you buy this, you're going to be like, this was kind of fun, but I, I couldn't get past level one. And I remember there was a point where we were like, we were just like, fuck it. Let's just make this boring level at the start. It's literally like five rooms with two guys in each room. Like the kind of level that us as people that have been playing this game for a year mm. are like, well, that's just rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when we put that out, and people would come up and they'd be terrible at the game. They hadn't even understand how cover works. They just figured out what shoot was. But right. they'd get through the level and be like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> and it was like, okay, cool. Yeah. So actually our starting point is to build five, you know, the first four levels of the game, if you talk to anyone on the dev team, would be like, they're boring. Mm. Like there's really not a lot to them. But it's like, I think it's that realizing, like actually when people start, they've got no idea. And they just want to finish a thing. They just want to get through a level and be like, oh, cool, I get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, there's that there's that thing as well where <clears throat> that moment the first time you play a level and you go oh there's a second building on this right okay yeah um, also I mean as well yeah you can let somebody play through it for the first time let them get to the end of it go that was brilliant and then go oh I missed this I didn't do this and go back and then <clears throat> gives them that opportunity to either at, at the end of the game or whenever to to get better at it and get those three stars or those the the, the three achievements whatever you're going to come on each level yeah I think that became with. Um, with Oli Oli, I think it's a game whereby, like, we teach you the mechanics. Hmm. Um, like, a couple of people in review, I remember for Oli Oli 1, and it's the same in Oli Oli 2, basically say, like, if you play through the game at 100% each level as you go, it teaches you exactly how to play. Yeah. Um, whereas I think with Not a Hero, it's a game that's more about, like, I guess our goal was you can get from start to finish and see the whole thing, right, and see, like, Burning Lord... Well, wait, no, spoilers. Bunny Lord killed the final boss and, like, all the stuff and find out what happens um, while being, like, not actually that good at the game. Yeah. And so hopefully, like, that replay value and, um, you know, the fun that comes, I, I hope, from just getting better at a simple set of tools and figuring out new ways to use them and stuff. Like, the challenges are more there for that, I think, mm. and not a hero. Um but I think it was definitely a game much more aimed at like, you know, Oli Oli has this weird instant wall. Like even in level one of Oli Oli, you still got to press X to land. And if you don't, like, yeah. you're going to look like you're doing really badly. There's no way around that mm. other than to remove that one key mechanic of pressing X. Yeah. Um, whereas in Not Hero, it was possible to be like, well, we can give you a level where kind of like you can just tear through and kill everyone. Like you can just mash shoot mm. and get through and feel like a badass. And we can introduce killing you for not being a badass much more gradually i think <laughs> yeah yeah cool so that is kind of um too much prototyping without any kind of focused design decisions design document to go for yes yes absolutely cool well i mean say that feels like it's got to go in the bin in the bin ah <laughs> good <laughs> gone so what's next oh, simon that's dead so uh, well, I haven't okay. actually got any time to talk to you now because I've got to go off and write design documents for all the <laughs> ideas I've got. Yeah, no more prototyping. Um, so uh, I guess my the thing I'd like to throw in the bin. Mm. Is... If you say John Ribbons, I'll cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing I'd like to throw in the bin is the uh, the engine that we used to make the game. Right, okay. uh, not not because of the engine itself. But because one of the major limitations of that engine, I won't mention the name of the engine because right. I don't want them to, but 
basically the engine that we were using was sort of a quite a simple 2D game creator tool mm. uh, that didn't allow versioning. Right. Uh, and versioning for people who are listening who might not be sort of massively into games means that uh, you can have more than one or two people or five people or ten people all working on the same piece of code and updating that and make, pulling pulling. It makes down your game code. a Google Doc, basically. Everyone okay, can collaborate yeah. on your one thing. So with it not being able to do that, uh, the only person programming on the game was John. Hello. <laughs> so that in itself created a number of issues in that anything that had to be done in the game, whether that's level design or programming the menus or dealing with credits or whatever it might be, everything was done by John. So if you consider that what we built in Not a Hero, um, I think in scope um, is bigger than Oli Oli 1 as a yeah. game. Uh, especially with all of the sound design work that we did, all the character writing, um, you know, Bunny Lord elements, all of the, you know, the way more menu elements than than we than we did in Oli Oli One and probably Oli Oli Two to a certain extent. Um, to 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 have one person programming all of that. Bearing in um, mind, actually, just to chip in that on Oli Oli One, one of our programmers was full time interface and did nothing else at all. Yeah. Uh, f for me, uh, that has to go in the bin because <laughs> that pr that process basically killed John, uh, and and it also it, it killed our ability to work sensibly, uh, work sensibly and quickly, and you know sort of hand out and chunk out that work to a number of different people uh, because because everything had to be done by John. Yeah. However, I guess I guess the one upside to that was. <laughs> You know, John knew everything, and it was it was all, you know, it was all in his head. And we managed to finish the game pretty much on time. It was a week later than build, but you know, the, the game. You know, John knows the entire game, and there weren't any sort of random people jumping in. Mm. Uh, but I think, you know, in hindsight, if we'd had a team of people that could have dealt with some of the other bits, uh, it would have made everyone's lives a lot easier, and we'd have probably come out sooner. Yeah. and killed killed a lot less of John in the process. See, it's it's interesting that, I mean, you mentioned the release date. It's something I wanted to ask you about. Now, obviously, um, the the game being kind of built around an election, was <laughs> the... What influenced what? Well, I say, I'm saying that like you could have influenced the, the general election. Um, did the yeah. general election influence the story, or was it just... Was it coincidence, or...? It was an awesome coincidence. So we... Uh, We'd originally, and um, very naively, stupidly, uh, told Devolver when we signed with them that we would deliver the game in summer right. last year. Uh, Oli Oli won, <clears throat> kick, kicked the shit out of that, and was like, no, that's that's not going to happen. Because hmm. uh, we the idea was that Oli Oli won, John would make a design doc, and then go and make Not a Hero. Right. Uh, yeah, that, you can't make games like that, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh so the uh, the sort of game kept getting pushed back. So the next the next pushback was okay. We'll we'll release it in January, and then uh, we'll release it in February. And I think the third time it got pushed back, it was so close to the election, and we'd already gone with this idea that Bunny Lord 
was was sort of vying to get to win an election mm. uh, that all of a sudden it was like well hang on what if we just release it on may 7th yeah, yeah <laughs> because yeah. that's about when we're finished uh it gives us a little bit <laughs> you know <gives> us a little <laughs> bit of time unfortunately that time all just got eight eight away mm-hmm. uh but it, you know we can we can hang uh hang the games marketing and pr stuff around the election which we did yeah, which was fun. And I mean, especially given given I know well, given the the the, the few hundred people I choose to follow on Twitter, um, a lot of people were very upset about the result of the general election, and it it would have felt like an, a, a fantastic. I don't want to say protest because that's a bit of a strong word, but um, well, because another thing I wanted to ask you about in the demo that came out uh, before the main release. Yeah, was the purple and yellow all the extra purple and yellow text a subconscious choice or? Uh, given that bunny lords may be supposed to be not the most morally pure of people and given that there are there is a political party out there that does use a lot of purple and yellow um, you know the funny the funny thing with that is is uh oh yeah i mean uh, like we we were having a bit of fun with that yeah. uh ujip uh was the name of the the party i well, think yeah. i think yeah we we were having a bit of fun with it um and I think- I was gonna. I, I think it's mixed on the team as to how on board they were with whether that was a statement or not. Because <laughs> I remember talking to Jake, our artist, because mm. uh, we like made rosettes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. He'd, he'd not so we that. had we had like these rosettes, right? And it was a purple rosette, and it had Bunny Lord on it, and the background with Bunny Lord was yellow. So from a distance, it looked like a UKIP rosette, <laughs> right? And I was chatting to him, and was like, "Dude, like, why did you have to do it like in purple and yellow? Because it looks like we're UKIP." And he was like. I was like, you kept colours. And it was like, all oh, right, you didn't even realise. You just, you just <laughs> went was, on Photoshop and went, oh, like, yellow looks nice with purple. Let's put those two together. There was a Bunny Lord-like naivety to some of it, absolutely. And then there were the conscious messages that we put out in that demo that was yeah. just a bit of a joke. And you can, if you go to www.theugipparty.org, uh, you can still, it's the only place that you can still get the demo. It's been removed from Steam. Uh, and actually, uh, I'm sure that given any more time, it will probably be removed from the internet totally. So if you want to go and get the demo, uh, actually, no, go, go and buy the game instead. Yeah, it's far better. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely do that. It's and slightly actually, more you know expensive what? than the demo, but there's more content. That's and also, yeah. the, the demo only runs at 30 frames a second and it crashes every now and then, whereas the, the full game is, is a beautiful 60 frames a second and no crashes guaranteed. By me. There you go, guaranteed by Rolls Yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, you can come around my house and get a refund. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put my in, my address on the internet later. It's interesting actually saying about because I'd never even thought about it because we obviously now we're in a place where game development is more accessible than it's been ever really. Well, absolutely mm. ever, ever, ever. Um, you know, you can now. I mean, I have released a thing that is is, is charitably called a game by some people. That <laughs> um, was just that was just as part of a game jam thing uh, using again a, a, a game maker engine type thing. So it's interesting because I know a lot of. Uh, I, I wonder whether it's it's developers consciously choosing to to identify as someone who works in Unity, someone who works in because for example, what always the big thing that about Hotline Miami was oh it's in Game Maker. Uh, and I wonder whether that is just now so commonplace that people don't bother mentioning it anymore and you don't even notice. Because I, I, I assume if you use something like a Unity or whatever, you've got to show, you've got to use their, you've got to mention them, you've got to credit them somewhere for the fact that you've yeah. built a game out of their stuff. Um, 
but just people it seems to be it's so ubiquitous now people just don't notice it it doesn't it's not news anymore whereas maybe when hotline miami came out a game a, a really financially commercially viable game being made in something because before that we just had uh the adventure game studio and uh rpg, RPG maker yeah yeah which you know which which is has spawned nothing but a thousand unfinished projects unfinished remakes of final fantasy 7 let's be honest um and, and always sometimes monsters which is one of my favorite games oh of course yeah oh and um i'm, I'm saying this and uh one of my favorite games the name of which i can't remember to the moon uh, that was rpg <laughs> yeah. maker as well i think and that's let's at- just caveat by saying there are some really nice games that were done with it and there's an awful lot of identical final fantasy clones <laughs> the same with it yes i mean uh what i still i think still use uh the, the adventure game studio uh, they've just released a game. Yeah, just released a game about an hour before we started recording called Techno Babylon, which runs on the same engine. Um, and that I, I mean, I think, I think it's got... out six forty by two uh, six eighty by two, or six forty by two eighty or whatever. So <laughs> I was going to say, there's I, I think there's a similar thing with Unity though. Like with um, there's a there's a Jim Sterling video the other day. Mm, I saw that. Um, yeah. About like the the sort of uh, I don't know what you call it. Looks like a cross between Minecraft and DayZ plugin for Unity. Yeah, that um, there's now a bunch of like early access games that are basically just reskins of that plugin um, yeah. being sold as new games. So yeah, it is incredibly accessible now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just think because I'd never, I never when I when I sat down to play, it, I never considered what, uh, and maybe that's just because I'm a, a a gamer rather than a developer or whatever. But I never even considered that. I just assumed it was a custom engine or something that'd been built in house. Um, Whereas, yeah, thinking about it, I, I suppose there's no, there's not an awful lot of reason nowadays not to use something a little bit more. Uh, I don't want to use the word generic, but some, something that's where a lot of the work is already done for you. You can just sit down and actually start again, prototyping yeah. or designing systems and mechanics, and and actually I just think, getting dirty, get your hands dirty straight away. Yeah, I think before John mentions it, I'll say it's probably what you're going to say, John. But I think, you know, when you're when you're doing something like that. Uh, <laughs> for the most part anyway the community of games developers uh, i guess it's a bit like uh hip-hop producers you know they'll all notice if you're using preset yeah, sounds yeah, 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 yeah. And, and stuff like that or oh i know all that everyone's used that break yeah like whatever that might be and, and it very much is the same thing you know you see a game you're like wow you're using box 2d physics and it's you've not even tweaked them and you're using uh that shader that's you know yeah, freely available on where yeah. well yeah, yeah it's, and, it's uh, um there was some some uh, some fracas uh, towards the end of last year when I think a guy who had worked on the Assassin's Creed games accused um, the Shadows of Mordor guys from stealing some of their I think animation stuff because he was just like no I I recognise that dive I know that dive I I animated that dive. Uh, I recognise my dive when I see my dive. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, dude, compliment to you. Your dive was so good they reused it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone knows. Everyone knows the Assassin's Creed, Creed dive. Anyway. Yeah, well, it's famous, isn't it? It's basically, exactly. a copy of this. You put it on a hat, um, <laughs> <laughs> like a Zoe trope around the whole hat. Rotate, and you can see the dive. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was actually going to say something different, though. So I was going oh, to say, from, I what, think, we've, we've we've got different opinions. Yeah, as always, <laughs> let's argue. Um, Fuck off. No, but I think the it, it is something that I, Shahid tweeted a go a while ago. But I think it's kind of a standard thing, which is like um, making games now is so much easier than it ever was. Yeah. But finishing games is just as hard as it ever was. 
Yeah. Um, and I think it doesn't matter whether you use like Game Maker or Click Team Fusion or Unity or Unreal Engine 4. Like, you can really quickly get to a point where either you have a really fun toy to play or you have a really beautiful environment. And, you know, now you've got like depth of field and all this stuff. Like, I downloaded Unity the other day and like played the racing demo and it was like, oh, it does depth of field. Hmm. Like, in the out of the box demo, there's just this camera shader that does it. And it's like, man, I remember years ago like having to learn how to write HLSL so I could put that in something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's all fine, but I don't think it actually changes how hard it is to finish a thing. Yeah. To, like, it's really easy to make that toy. It's really easy to make that environment, make that effect, make something look beautiful. But, you know, what makes a fun game, and I guess from our perspective as well, because, you know, we're trying to pay the bills doing this, is like not just a fun game, but a fun game that people will pay to play. Mm you know, that then has to have a difficulty curve that keeps you hooked and, you know, have beats in the game that keep you involved and, you know, all this kind of stuff in the metagame. And, like, what makes me want to play it more and what makes me go back and all those kind of things. And I'm like, there's no plugin that makes that easy yet. There's, there, there's no, like, metagame plugin where I click it and it goes, like, yeah, there's the difficulty of all the levels and we built them all for you. Like, yeah, you yeah, still yeah. have to do all that by hand. Um, not long, though. Not yeah. long. I mean, if not you look long. At I mean that's our next project. You... We're, <laughs> yeah. we're going to make a thing where you just type in the name of the game, press a button, it just builds it, and like you just make your own game. But, but worryingly, worryingly, like you know, if, if you take sort of music production, home music production, um, as an example of where you know this will eventually get to, and and sort of just slightly after that was film, um, with with the latest version of Logic, Logic X on a Mac. Mm. There are literally, you know, the way that you can create dance music, and it's been out there for ages, but the ability to, within 30 seconds, have something that sounds, to, to, to most people's ears, you know, professional production quality yeah. music. Yeah, things like is, the, the it, Nexus synth, yeah. Absolutely. Like the, the, there are, there are, and, and, and again, with film, you know, on a basic level, uh, with with something like iMovie and just throwing throwing footage in and you know adding all those effects, um, I think you know very much the same thing will happen with games and people will be able to make games quickly and that's something that maybe John had mentioned before. But we used to teach kids how to make computer games right. using software. We had a, a different company prior to Roll Seven called Rolling Sound, and we used to teach music, photography, animation, film. Um, and DJing and, uh, and video game design. Mm. And, you know. Not us think... personally, other tutors that actually understood how to do those things. I right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but John, John taught people how to make computer games. And I think you, you know, you use different tools to show them how to make different things. And, it, you know, I think that if you look at what was achievable back then, and that was about 10 years ago. Uh, to where those those tools have got to now and what mm. kids will be able to pick up like i think in another five years time uh you know it, it's going to be like yeah no i make computer games i've made about 10 yeah, yeah. um i've well, made, I, I made like, an album's worth someone like silver dollar um that did yeah. uh, one fi- uh, uh one figure death punch one figure death punch oh, yeah. yeah oh but that's such a good game i mean yeah, yeah that's that's great else. but yeah they, they knock out like there was a time when they were they were knocking out maybe a couple of games a month or something something daft like that, and they were they were they were kind of prototypes at, at best and kind of were, were a little bit rough and ready. But and yeah, every time um, there would be yeah a thing in them and you go that's really clever that's really good, um, and I think yeah one thing of Death Punch was the the, the first time they got it <clears throat> absolutely right. Or I mean again it's still an ugly as sin game like it still looks like something <laughs> I would make. 
um, and I'm basically blind. So, um, um, what was the thing I was going to say? But it's actually the analogy to music is really interesting because. So as as someone who listens to a lot of dance music, you see the argument and you get very bored of the argument a lot. Well, these days, there's no talent in that. It's just pressing buttons, isn't it? Um, you don't have to be talented. It's not proper art. It's not proper artistry. And I'm beginning to see people who kind of say, well, look, if you've never had to struggle with 8 mega RAM, um, then you you know, or you've never built and written an engine yourself. Then you're not a proper game developer. You don't really know what you're doing. But it's it's a, yeah, it's an interesting point. There was no plugin that created like nine charming or interesting characters in Not a Hero or. Mm. or I think that's the thing, and I think you know from our side in terms of like, um, and I and I think it's probably the challenge for every indie developer out there is like, so how do we? differentiate ourselves from people who can quickly build something right in a tool that provides you with a level editor and shaders and a bunch of pre-made movements and stuff like that and so that i think it is that other side it's that finishing side of games it's that how do we get the curve right how do we get the level design right and i think in not a hero more than anything else as well it was like um you know the attention to detail in the art like there's no plugin that will draw you like 10 different idle animations for every character or yeah um, or incense sticks tiny little incense sticks that probably one percent of players have noticed in the final world of the game that are like hanging on the pillars and actually burning and there's smoke coming off them and stuff like that yeah. um i know but, i hope it's like that kind of attention to detail that's like, like well yeah there's a plugin that will drop a character in there but um you know the effort then is like giving that character life and yeah. making them a little personality, I guess, and on the screen. Absolutely. I think, and it, I think sort of more and more as well, you know, the, the expectations for the quality of an indie game yeah. are changing. And I think, you know, in order to stand out, it's not just like, oh, wow, they, they made a really cool game. I mean, music was terrible, and obviously the menus were crap, and the game crashed occasionally. And it's like, no, 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 no. That, that, that you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, that was sort of, you know, people would forgive you, and they'd be mm-hmm. like, it's fine. And now it's like, no, 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 it has to be, the gameplay's amazing, there's shed loads of levels, the art's, the art's fantastic, the animation's great, the music's ridiculous, I love it, I want to buy the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. The sound design is like unbelievable, I don't know what they've done, but it's just blowing my head off. Uh, like all of the UX is, is fantastic, uh, like there's some great leaderboard stuff online that, you know, yeah. works. All of the integration sort of with, I don't know, consoles and bits and bobs feels right and works well uh the live area is pretty all the marketing was good like just everything and yeah, you know, yeah to do all of that with a tiny team and to see that all through all of those little details is it's more you know it's more than a full-time job because mm. ultimately you're you're competing with you're not just now competing with all of the other thousands of indie studios mm. and individuals out there but you're also competing with those sort of mid-sized studios because you know, all of a sudden, small small studios like Roll Seven are on console, and we're all yeah. You know, and you dropped into the in same, same storefronts as yeah. EA yeah, and same, Activision. Same and, yeah. Yeah, how, yeah, how do you compete? I think yeah, so you that... have to think about the you know the what that game looks like. You have to think about that trailer. Does does the Not a Hero trailer compete with I don't know, uh, like you say, like the next like the next true. game from Ubisoft? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's that element of like. Um, well, you know, at a big studio, the number of people that probably worked on making leaderboards work uh, is probably equal to the size of the team that made all of Not a Hero. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But I th- think 
also and it's like interesting coming out on steam this time is looking at um the number of things that can now be lumped into the category of in this day and age it should be default Mm. i think as you say like it's easier to make games but because those tools make that bit easier the number of stuff things that people just expect as default to be in there yeah yeah, also increases right so like you know um game coming out a while ago people would be like no configurable keys in this day and age that's not okay whereas you know now it's like well there's no support for me to stream it on twitch yeah there's no field of view slider yeah there's no like that kind of thing and you're like wow like almost like i made a game like almost sort of as a design you're like well i made a game like i made a game that's really fun to play like sure it doesn't let you have it in 87 degrees field of view instead of 85 but hey i designed it at yeah 85 um but that's now become like an expectation. Well, I should be able to tweak that. Well, I should be able to Twitch stream that. Well, I should have like leaderboards with everybody online. I should be able to see how fast everyone else beat this level. There should yeah. be a timer in there so I can speed run it. Like there's all these considerations that come on top of like just building it. Like, you know, as default, everybody expects that the game will be awesome. Yeah. And, like I'm- as a small team, that's a massive challenge that will take all of the hours of your day. But on top of that, you also have to support all of this other stuff that people just expect. Yeah, and I think a lot of people forget as well that a lot of studios that can be considered indie nowadays, a lot of them are like a group of 20 XEA guys have got together <laughs> with 15 years' experience. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Like, um, I think Yacht Club are, um, you know, produce very much an indie, uh, and in, again, another indie darling. But I think they're all X somewhere and you know the, the amount of the amount of people out there that's just like yeah it's a team of fifth of fifth of team of 10 15 people who work for the biggest game publisher in the world for two decades have now got together yeah, and decided the, to make something else yeah yeah you can't you cannot put a put a uh you know a figure on that experience that yeah. that is that's something that you know obviously we would we'd love to have i guess the, the difference that we have which is a bit of an odd thing but i think it's probably probably something that we we downplay we've got a decade of business experience that in, in creative media and we've mm. built and sold businesses within uh creative media in the past and i think like roll seven before it made games was a digital uh marketing agency so that right. side of it that like knowing how to create you know engaging content and mm. uh deal with social media and stuff like that that's something that we we always take for granted and we you know we're like oh you know but actually forget that for, for maybe for a team of 15x ubisoft people there was always a marketing department for that or there was always a finance guy who dealt that's, with all that's that. very who, true actually yeah who paid them and who did who dealt with a publishing deal and stuff like that so i think for us like you know it's, it's good that we do get to cover that stuff off because i think uh you know, we just leave all of the making game stuff to John. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't burn it, so you've got to. Um, well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and, that, and that's why that's why we want to throw that in the bin. Yeah, I was going to say on that note, that brings us very nicely to uh, throwing that in the bin. So. Um, I don't, I'm still going to make prototypes. I'm going to make overextended prototypes in non-versioning engines. I'd like to put that out there. But by all means, when we start the actual project, let's let some other people get involved because I like sleep and I haven't had enough of it. Yeah, I'm trying to work out whether each thing that you've chosen to throw in the bin actually cancels each other out. But it doesn't matter. It's going there anyway. In the bin. Ah, in a bin. In a bin. Ah, in a bin. You have to go first on what you liked, so. Go, so. Uh, uh, what I liked, yeah. uh, I really liked doing all of the character stuff. Mm. Yeah. Uh, 
this because uh, it's a thing that I think a lot of people certainly it's a thing that I picked up on. Uh, I mean, you have a Welsh character, which not a lot of games do. <laughs> uh, as I a... think if we're honest, you either really liked it or you fucking hated it. <laughs> yeah, it was it, it was an interesting process. So when I started, in fact, it was before I was officially kind of joining the project. But I went around to John's and we had a couple of drinks and. Uh, he showed me the game and he was like, right, here's where we're at. And you I, hadn't and seen it for about four or five months either. I'd, well, no, not, I, I had seen it four or five months. I, I, I purposefully stayed away from it, actually playing it mm. for, for an extended period of time because it helps with perspective to, to actually give it a bit of space between builds. Yeah. Uh, and so I sat down and started playing it. And John had recorded, just on his, uh, on his iPhone, just recorded these these little dudes who were like hey, come here or hey fam let me 20p mm. uh, and like loads of stuff like that and i was like this is this is cool but like how is this going to work like what are we going to do here is are we going to get like a sound effects guy just to find some old samples or are we going to record all of these properly and then then i sort of said you know what like at the moment all of the enemies and stuff say stuff and we've got all these different characters does your character do you not say anything mm. uh, and i think sort of that question went to to john and it was just like back and forth a little bit and it's like wouldn't it be cool if maybe they were you know maybe they actually maybe your character actually said something and we we kind of went a bit more into sort of the idea of the characters uh <laughs> and who they might be based on and like that that process was a lot of fun and, and kind of working out like, you know, well, who is Cletus? Hmm. And it's like, well, no, is he, is he a hillbilly? Or is that too obvious? And then we're like, well, why don't we make them all really British? Cause we know, we know English. Cause it's wicked tax breaks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's some awesome tax breaks. If we make them all English, then, you know, when we don't make any profit from this game, we can, uh, you know, not have to worry about it. Uh, so, so yeah, we just, I think we, we spent a lot of time looking at the, the different characters that we could, we could kind of put on these players. And so we started discussing different real world characters that maybe we would like to approach. So we, we thought, well, hang on, we could approach Brian Blessed. We could approach Danny Dyer. Mm. We could approach Roger Moore. We had all these sort of outlandish ideas. We're like, you know, approach your heroes, contact them because, you know, some of them might answer. Mm. And then we were like, you know what, sod that. Why don't we find a really good voice actor? And we were very lucky. Uh, our marketing guy, Jamie, is a, sort of working as an intern and, and then kind of came on board full time found us a uh, this guy Damien Slash who's a comedian that also does really good he's a character comedian isn't he yes yeah, character comedian he does characters so, so if you check him out online uh, Damien Slash on YouTube really funny does all these hilarious characters and he sent back his his versions of Danny Dyer Ronald uh, Ronald Justice, uh, Brian Blessed, <laughs> who Ronald Justice is, and, Brian uh, Justice, and uh, the, the other guy was a uh, oh, what's his name? He's from Johnny, Johnny Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, uh, and 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 he did all of the. He literally sent these things through. We went and recorded them at a mate's house. Uh, the whole process was absolutely bonkers. We had thousands and thousands of takes to record in mm. one day uh, in the studio. John ended up doing Cletus, the Scottish guy. Uh, there were so many different sort of things going on, so many different bits. We'd written, written the script about, I think we'd done about like 10 different iterations on every single character. Initially, there was about three times as much 
dialogue we cut it all down because it was just far too much but that process of trying to inject uh character mm. into you know nine little pixel dudes yeah. was so much fun and, and and it was a massive undertaking it really was it was i think i think we knew when we started it, it was like if we do this it's gonna kill us that was yeah. my reaction, I think. Yeah. It's like, as as sure? Simon said earlier, like, I did all the code. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so the point at which it was like, hey, it'd be really cool if all the characters had different voices and said different mm. shit. And like, unique lines in various different one-off places. Oh and, yeah. God, yes. It was like, yeah, that would be really cool. I don't know if you <laughs> want to do it. It would certainly be really cool. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's that was go- killer. Yeah, going back to talking about how Roll Seven kind of differentiate themselves, it is little moments like the first time you try a level with a different character, and you go, "Oh no, they make a specific reference to the start that, that could have only been used at the start of the, the start of this level." So that is absolutely a one-off piece of one-off used piece of audio that isn't going to be used anywhere else in the game. Well, um, to Simon on that one. <laughs> that was not. Uh, that was not. A d- game designer decision that yeah. was a Simon going hey they should say stuff but it just stands, I mean, it's I that little bit of polish isn't it that, that makes that makes it stand out a little bit more that they could have just said the same thing over and over and over but uh, and no one would have really noticed if they didn't but now it's in there you go oh that's really cool actually yeah a, I think it's go on John. I was going to say there was an article I think halfway through doing this process there was an article on Eurogamer about um it's like a, I can't remember who wrote it, but it's like a jokey article about like how the challenge in first-person shooter games now is to just come up with different ways oh, of saying John Blythe's that man thing has thrown about... a grenade at me. John Blythe's thing, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it was like we were doing the sound at that point, and it was like uh, we we were at this point of like I think we had something. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sai. Like ten different random variations of everything they could say. So like at the start of the bomb level. Steve would say 10 different things related to the fact there was a bomb in the building. Right. Oh my God. And it was just like, it was just that, and this was sigh on this, that was like, why doesn't he just the first time you play it say something related to it? And every time after that just says like, right, let's go. Or like, come on and let's do it. Because it just gets ridiculous. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to come up with all these different things and it'll be repetitive anyway. Um, But I think like, it was good. It was definitely good. And I think, I agree. It's something that I think we uh, we should put as a thumbs up. And yeah. I guess from our side, um, you know, Oli Oli was a game that I'm really pleased with the sound design, mm. but um, you're just doing the sounds of a skateboard. And it's really fun to have something so limited. Yeah. Um, but like the sound in Not a Hero, it was obviously like tons of stuff going on and then adding all of the conversation thing on top. Yeah. Um, yeah. was a good learning experience, I guess. Mm. Uh, no, again, as a, as a player, it is something that the, the sound. And well, I mean, I'm again biased because of being into sound and things, but the sound of it is is something that stands out. And I think it did to an extent in uh, Twally Ollie as well. Well, you just got very used to the sound that sound of a skateboard hitting the ground, didn't you? Mm. Um, because it gets to a point where that's all you're listening to. Um, <laughs> a lot of credit just to to jump out to Red Button Audio, uh, mm. the guy, uh, our guy, guy, our sound guy, guy. Uh, who Guy Cockcroft, who kind of just sort of fell in love with the project and just worked so hard to give the game like you know an amazing sound. Mm. Uh, He he really did go to town with it, and I think um, 
yeah, if it if if it if it was someone who just kind of come on board and said, yeah, I'll do your sounds, that'd be one thing. But you know, you'd get an email from him at four in the morning, being like, I've been I've been working out a different way of of, of processing this all, and and I want to make it the whole game just sound like a you know a nineteen seventies sort of black exploitation movie. Yeah, if I use a and, square allophone instead of a sign yeah. allophone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was it was sort of on that level, and I think you know something that's really come across is is that sort of you know, the sound effects um, really do punch. And you know, if if you kill someone, you feel it. Yeah, I think there's an element like um, this plays into my favourite in a minute, but um, <laughs> of like it's great to work with people um, who. I don't know how to put it. Like, it's great to work with people who you have to say no to mm. um, yeah. because they're having great ideas. And like, like the kind of no's you want to say on a project are not like, no, that's a terrible idea. You want to say like, no, that's an awesome idea. We just don't have time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, we had that with art and like, you know, from, <laughs> from Simon's side on production and polish and stuff like that, you know, with sound with the characters, you know, there's an element of like, yes, we should do that, but no, we can't do that bit. There's just not time. And yeah, I think, yeah. Sile tested it to find to this in, from a production side. Like, Guy is a man who makes bug tickets on the system for sounds you didn't even know you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> where you're like, you're like, I, you know, I had a point towards the end of the project where I was just so, so happy to get the number of tickets I had to fix down to like five, right? If I could do that, that would be great. Mm. And so I'd like, I'd work away and it gets to 2 a.m. and I'd have cleared all these tickets and I'd go back and refresh the page to see how many I had left and there'd be like 10 new ones <laughs> and it would be like, just so you know, there's no sound when a shard of glass hits the floor. Shall we add that? And it's like, well, I'm really pleased that you care enough to want to do that and put the work in to make like 10 different random sounds for a shard of glass hitting the floor. Mm. But like, we're just not going to do it. <laughs> there's just no time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think that's the that's the situation you want to be in. That's why that sound stuff was just great. Was having someone who's so enthusiastic to be like, "Yeah, let's do this. Can we do this? Mm. I want to add this thing." And you know, being able to be like, "Yes" to a lot of it, and unfortunately, no to a lot of it. But it's kind of awesome that you really want to do that stuff. Yeah, and great and great performances from all of the actors involved as well. So we had um, Kiara Goldsmith and Racine Murphy, who sort of both uh, the the female sort of actors voiceover um actors who are working alongside um damien slash and you mm. know that 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 in itself you know getting them to be uh sort of um angry triad bosses uh <laughs> and stuff you know or vietnamese rude girls in kimmy was you know it, not an easy task and you know they, they do they all did a fantastic job on the day so you know i think like testament to sort of all of their work too uh, in sort of somehow portraying these odd characters that we come up with. Yeah, who did Bunny Lord's voice? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's John. Um, it's my airing cupboard door. <laughs> um, like weirdly, so like Bunny Lord appeared in a different game prototype that's never coming out. Right, it's more offensive than not a hero. Right, um, called Hackathor, where he was like one of the NPCs, um, and all of the other NPCs in that game. Like they speak in the same way as Bunny Lord, right? So text comes up on the screen and you hear a sound related to it. But mm -hmm. all of the other ones had like Latin words read out mm. or like Russian words or whatever. So they kind of sounded like language. Um, and when I did the Bunny Lord character in that game, I just recorded my air and cupboard door squeaking. 
and somehow that works better than actual <laughs> real voices but the bunny lord the original bunny lord voice like i realize people say they hate it now like the original bunny lord voice was even horrific. more offensive yeah like it was horrible to listen to um <laughs> which was maybe part of the charm but probably not um and so i, I think that the, just to, to throw in there like that the, the interesting thing with with that bunny lord sort of voice being just this squeaky squeaky noise is that you get to see just how good people on you know uh, <laughs> youtubers are and twitchers uh, are actually reading, reading stuff <laughs> on screen um some <laughs> people who you might think would be quite clever and be able to read stuff that was coming along on this sort of on the auto prompt as it were mm. absolutely incapable which is which is awesome and then some of the, some people really taking it taking it to the next level and sort of almost acting bunny lord out well wow, okay uh, online which is quite fun it's quite cool yeah, to see yeah. their interpretation of what it'd sound like i like to think that in the bunny lord <laughs> cutscenes we made the hotline miami of reading comprehension games <laughs> <laughs> um, it's fit for kids <laughs> Well, yeah, very, 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 uh, uh, very specific aesthetic. Uh, sound very influenced. Uh, like the soundtrack is very important. So yeah, yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, very difficult. Um, now the cutscenes aren't instant restart, though, are they? You've got to go back to the start. You do. So it's the yeah, Dark Souls yeah. of uh, <laughs> comprehension. Cool, uh, John. What's your thing? Um, I, d I don't know necessarily what you call it. I think my favourite thing in the project is the point at which uh, Jake Collins, our artist, joined, mm. um, which sort of plays into, um, I guess, my favourite thing on this was um, like we worked with a very small team. Uh, obviously, as we said, it was like basically uh, myself and Jake and Guy and then Simon kind of feeding in on all stuff and doing marketing and all of the other stuff that... <laughs> Simon does much better than me, me and everybody else. Um, but I think like my favorite thing on this was basically feeling like we were working in a team where everyone was really dedicated and passionate. Yeah. Um, and I think like, like, you know, working with like, if you look at the prototype, the previous game, laughably, there was a point when we said to Devolver that I was also going to do the art. Um, and so there was a point where we kind of went, I think that's probably unrealistic. Mm. I can do all the art as well. And also it will look shit. <laughs> um, and so we started looking for an artist and we kind of met Jake by chance through uh, London Indies, which is like an indie dev kind of meetup thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, having him join and having it be like, uh, like he brought a completely different approach to how the levels were going to look um and sort of like the animation the quality of the animation on the characters is so much better uh, i think my favorite thing is that on that occasion it was um that as a creative like i'd kind of be like hey i think there should be the scene where like bunny lord like beats the shit out of this like russian mobster mm. and it goes on so long that it gets uncomfortable yep um which is generally like quite a ridiculous thing to say to someone who's your artist <laughs> um but to get that done and for it to be a thing, yeah, I think it's my favorite thing. There's a lot of bits like that in the game. Um, and I think Cy had this with the marketing as well, working with Jake uh, from an art side was like, yeah. um, <laughs> whatever. Like, can you imagine the one point in the process of making this game, we sat down with Jake and we went, dude, basically I need to draw you 
Uh, I need you to draw the Egyptian god Horus punching a giant testicle <laughs> in pixel art. <laughs> and like, the, then he goes away and draws that and it comes back and it looks exactly like I imagined it was going to look. <laughs> and obviously he's like, dude, this is my fucking career. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> I'm supposed to be making a CD out of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like this isn't going in my portfolio for sure. Not a little gif of that. Um, I would just, if I were him, I'd just put that out as a portfolio. That's the whole portfolio. Just that, just that gift and be like, either you either you like this or you don't. <laughs> but this is me. Um, but no, like, yeah, working with someone, um, I guess, who was, like, super passionate on the art side um, and really wanted to kind of, like, bring their their vision to it was great. Yeah, it's, it's a and big so- thing. I mean, again, as someone who's played about, but is really not in any way artistically inclined. And you start off with rectangles and squares doing things. <clears throat> but the first time, I mean, so so to give you some context, people listening to this might know, uh, for Midnight Resistance's Dog Sem last year, I made a game called Dog Simulator 2000XX, uh, which is basically just an infinite runner. Um, but the first time uh, the, the player character went from being just a box that moved along the floor to being an, a, a, a dog that was animated in about three frames. It was just like, yes, that is, that is a dog now, and his ear yeah. moves in the wind, and that's very important. <laughs> Um, yeah. and it is just that moment where it comes a little bit more alive or the first time sound effects I always think are a big thing and uh, I've, I've mentioned this on, on, on the show before but Vlambeer are very very good at getting that the first time you fire a gun and go yeah. um, that sounds and looks brilliant and it, it's just that moment of something that you never necessarily would because again, as you guys mentioned before, there's a lot of stuff in the game that feels like it's got punch. Like the first time you you run into one of the uh, the guys who knocks you back and get knocked back when you try and slide into him, that you go, oh right, um, and you kind of, and you make a little noise and you feel it. Um, it's just that, that that quality of work that just helps to bring things alive. That that again, if it wasn't there, nobody would necessarily notice unless there was none of it at all. In which people start going, well, it feels a little bit light, but yeah. Yeah, everything's just got that little bit of weight in it. And say things like that that animation where Bunny Lord uh, beats that mobster to death. Again, that's just another moment you go, well, they, they can't use this elsewhere. Like, yeah, uh, this isn't just a generic like uh, shooting animation that's part of a cutscene. That is an animation that like that, again, someone spent a couple of days on that, um, yeah. if not more. And that's what fed into in some ways the difficulty curve in the game of trying to be like at the lowest level we want you to get through it. Mm. Um, I think there was a point on this where we were saying like, you know, with uh, something like Call of Duty or whatever where people go like, oh, it's only a six hour experience and you can just get through it. Yeah. Um, it's like, I totally understand why people feel that way now. Mm. Um, having done this one where we put a lot of effort into like certain bits and animated scenes and stuff like that. It's like, I kind of want people to see all of that. Yeah. But it's like time went into that. Yeah. It's the benefit of making some, I mean, for example, Bayonetta 2, well, both Bayonetta games are only fairly short but mm. if you're playing them once through for the story and then never touching them again, you're playing them wrong. Um, well, you're not playing, you know what I mean? There's, there's a lot there that you've not necessarily discovered. And sure. again, having the, the stars in Not A Hero be part of the, the, the level select screen is a really good enticement of, well, and to have them all visibly lined up as well. It's just like, well, you've not done everything yet. Like, you know, you might have, you might have played through all the levels, but there's still a lot that you, can, you, you need to or you could do with this game that you've spent your money on. Um, sure. And I, and I think again, like to me, that that's the sort of thing that 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 is a devolver hallmark, if you like. 
um, that are the, the Devolver's games are mechanics and are um, not always score attacks. I don't want to say games for gamers, but you know, there's like a certain arcadey maybe is the word kind of the, the, yeah. at its lowest level you can kind of odd your way through it but there's like a, a definite artistry and being very very good at it i had this like um i had this conversation the other day with someone mm. uh, where i was like well i guess like the Bobber games aren't your bag for exactly those reasons yeah but they were like but there is another side right because there's like Hatful Boyfriend and always sometimes monsters and gods will be watching as well. That's which true. All, yeah. To me, feel like when you look at any one of those, you're like, oh well, that's the exception to the kind of thing. But actually, the, I, I think there's another side to it of some of those. Uh, I don't know. I guess more like interesting narrative uh, experiences or, or yeah, yep. like different weird things. Because they've got uh, like Dropsy as well and that '80s looking things coming out. Um, that's true. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, it's it's one of those weird things, and, and like in a way, those still feel like if you're aware of Devolver's stuff, they they still feel very Devolver, but, yeah. but for almost the opposite reason. Like there's just a certain something about them that that, that has. Again, we just whenever I see the Devolver name attached to something now, like Broforce or whatever, as well, you always kind of play it. Like, oh, of course, it's a Devolver title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, have you had a lot of uh, um, comparisons made to Broforce? There's been there's been definitely a few. I think a lot of people say, you know, it's like. Broforce meets Hotline Miami, or Broforce meets um, Gunpoint. Yeah, I was going to say Gunpoint. I think you know, but the I think the Broforce thing definitely comes through. Some people, the, apparently, Kotaku are calling it the British Broforce. Okay. Um, which is, you know, it's understandable, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think, um, you know, like there's that sort of. I guess it's sort of Broforce meets Hotline Miami meets Gunpoint meets. Uh, elevate, elevator action meets <laughs> throw in blood where are we Blackthorn Blackthorn Vanquish Blackthorn. Vanquish do a lot of sliding yeah. around and shooting in Vanquish yeah yeah it's all of those things in one big kind of weird twisted environment isn't it it's weird because well I guess it's the classic thing with games is it's uh, you have to throw some stuff that's similar to so you can be like oh yeah I kind of liked that but at the same time if you expect it to be any of those things, you're probably going to be disappointed because it's actually a different thing altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely. <laughs> well, I think that, I mean, I don't know about you guys, we're recording, this is for a recycle bin recording, this might as well be first thing in the morning. Um, like, I'm starving, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I think on that, I mean, we've been going for an hour and a bit now. Uh, I don't want to keep you guys any longer. Um, look, thanks very much for coming on. Um, it's been cool. I mean, if, if uh, do you Twitter accounts, where should people go and find you? And I mean, Steam, obviously. But uh, yeah, if you so for the for main game based stuff, do follow uh, roll underscore seven at roll underscore seven on Twitter yep. and uh, personal Twitter. Mine, I don't use it much, but it's roll Simon. Oh, that was my dog. I don't know if you heard that. Uh, your, your, jo- yeah. your dog doesn't want to follow. He's <laughs> <was> like, no. <laughs> uh, and I'm at Flappy Fingers. Uh, Memorable. Hopefully. <laughs> For all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but by all means, go and check out the game. I mean, I, I, I never feel bad speaking to you guys because I'm genuinely a big fan of all your stuff. I mean, if you don't believe me, come and look at my Vita or my, my Steam library. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, to be honest with you, if you, you don't believe me, come and look at my, look at my high scores on Oli Oli, which are all right, maybe. Um, 
<laughs> uh, like I, I say that with some level of confidence, unless people like you were here. We're just like four million. Um, oh no, that's that's good. Okay, uh, solid. Uh, cool. Well, again, thanks for coming on, guys. Uh, I say it's cool that you're still bothering your asses with nobodies like us. Um, so, oh, thank you for having us. Cool. So, uh, yeah, see you later, listeners. Bye. Bye. Bye.